When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Clear the Cash, everybody. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And of course, the brains of the operation, Jesse Bach. You can find him on Twitter at planet underscore fatness. Once again, guys, follow him on Twitter. Follow him on Instagram at flippity flip cards. The guy's got one of the most ridiculous uh, compositions of cards that you're going to see. I mean, he's really building something nice. It's It trumps what I've been working on. I'm working towards this myself. I'm not even close. It's like Usain Bolt and whatever runner you've never heard of. <laughs> Bob, I don't know, Bob, 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 you know, uh, Mick, I don't know, Mick Johnson. I don't know. I don't know. Can't think of a name. doesn't matter. You've never heard of him. Anyways, the point is Jesse's got some, some great stuff. Hit him up. Like he said, he's going to maybe do a raffle or something with a, a nice card. If we get him to a thousand on Twitter. So keep following him because it's only for the people that follow him and support this show. Jesse, you spend exorbitant amount of money on cards. I don't know anybody personally that spends more on cards than you do. And the fact that we are still viewing you through the filmiest lens <laughs> of a laptop that I have ever seen in my life is a true travesty. What do you have to say for yourself? Um, I've dropped the ball since Nate, one of you and I started recording like August or September of last year. Um, so yeah, there, there, there might've been a, uh, uh, Devonte Graham silver prism PSA 10 that I could be without right now. So, um, right. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, it's, it's on me. It's, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there though. But, um, Hey, maybe I, maybe I saw that Devonte Graham now and just put the proceeds towards, towards webcam. Yeah, you, you really could. I mean, you know, a reasonable webcam is $33 about a $35. Oh. I listen, I don't want to probe into your financial situation, <laughs> but I feel like, I feel like this is in your wheelhouse from a, just a purely a monetary standpoint, Jesse, or maybe it isn't because you've made some big purchases recently. Some, some cards that, again, I wish that I had, I had the stones, the chutzpah, uh, to, you know, really dive in there and, uh, make some purchases of my own on. But because of these purchases, Jesse, you've had to do what any card buyer or memorabilia collector has had to do, and that's take some of your fortune, some of your treasure, and sell it to the open market to pay back, recoup the cost of some of the things you've purchased. And where is that taking you to today? Where are you at right now? What are, what are you doing? Are you selling big cards, big volumes of cards? Nate, I like I like uh, your um, use of 
your casual use of chutzpah um, in any sentence. So happy Passover to you as well. Oh, and uh, <laughs> part of the tribe. And um, yeah, so I I was kind of mentally and physically preparing for, for this deal um, for the last maybe 10 or 12 days or so, as soon as I saw the card pop up on, on, um, on eBay. And it was a, t- a PWCC auction. Um, I won't say the card now, but if you follow me on Instagram or on Twitter, you'll trust me, you'll see the card. Um, I'll, I'll post the card hopefully by tomorrow. Um, but, um, it was, it was tough. So I, it's, I, I knew I was going to spend like four to potentially five figures on this card. And as soon as I saw it, I knew I had to have it. And I, I know there were people who have far, far more impressive collections and capital than I do who were interested in this card. So I knew I had to be aggressive in the bidding and, but I, I know I, I don't have, you know, I don't, I don't have five figures just laying around. I mean, maybe, maybe in cardboard, but not in, in actual cash. So I knew I had to, um, make some tough decisions and in, uh, and parting with a couple of cards recently. And it wasn't just that card I bought. I, I took my own advice on from our last episode and that night after we recorded i saw there was another fleer sticker jordan rookie psa 9 and i won that card as well and i kind of i wasn't expecting to but all of a sudden i i you know i needed to you know fork up five figures right there and then and then i won the julio a couple nights later so um there have been some cards that i i didn't think i would let go of and didn't really want to let go of, but honestly, I, you know, we're not made of money and, um, it it is, it's a healthy thing to be able to fund your collection through liquidating part of your collection and liquidating your cards. So there have been some cards that have, it's been tough to, to sell and, and say goodbye to. And, um, we've been, we've been talking up the, the Kyler field level select silver prism, um, PSA 10 and, and Nate sold his last week for, um, for quite a bit of money for what's still the record price, but I had to let go of a couple of mine just because I, you know, I needed, I needed the capital rather quickly. Um, I, unfortunately I, am a, I was a pretty decent collector of Jason Tatum and basketball as well. And I, I don't think we've ever mentioned his name on the show. Um, I had to, yeah, I know, I know all, all this, all this content, all, all this content is just coming out and it's just flowing like a waterfall right now. And, um, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I had to sell basically almost every one of his cards except for one. And I sold, uh, I sold almost, you know, all of my, my Kyler cards. I had a, I had a base prism. I had a, a laser prism 10. Um, I had to sell, all my rust tops, Chrome PSA 10 rookies. That's another card we've mentioned. I, these cards that I'm telling you guys, like, especially with Russ and Kyler, those cards are, they're going to be $2,000 cards come summertime. I don't need, like they might be more expensive in in August, like towards, you know, preseason. And these are cards that I know I'm, I'm losing. I'm, I'm kind of losing money by selling them, even though I'm making a profit just because I, I know I'm, I'm very confident these cards are going to be $2,000 cards come summer. 
Um, you know, it's, it's a necessary evil, um, just because, you know, like I said, I'm not made of money. None of us are made of money. Um, and sometimes you have no other choice to, to fund something that, that you really want, um, with giving up part of your collection. And, um, fortunately, knock on wood, I've been pretty successful with, with making up a lot of ground on, on some of those purchases. And I still have a little bit of selling to go, but, um, it's, I mean, it's been, it's definitely been a journey. It, it makes me, it sort of makes me think about like, how, how bad do you want that card? If there is a card that you truly can't go without, like you'll do whatever it takes to get it. How, like, does, does that mean giving up part of your collection? Is, is that something that you'd be willing to do to get that your personal grail? And you know, I've, I've kind of learned a little bit more about myself and about what I, what I want and, and what I want to hold on to and what I, what I don't want to part with and what, and what I'm seeing is, you know, what I'm seeing as like somewhat liquid at the moment, but it's, it's, um, it's something that I, I hope everybody who is passionate about the hobby and coming back into the hobby, I hope it's something that you guys have to have to experience yourselves. Just, just, because I think you can learn a lot about yourself as a collector and, and it's truly a joy getting something that you've been either wanting for so long or you just see it and you honestly can't see your, yourself and your collection without it. So let me ask you this. As somebody that has done a lo- quite a few purchases yourself of over four figures, over five figures, you know, I have one experience going over four figures. And for me, it was nerve wracking, right? It was the first time doing it. Um, again, similar to what you said, I, I'm certainly not made of money, even though Matt Kelly would lead you to believe that breakout finders just paying for all of this. It's, um, so for me, uh, same story it was, it was kind of nerve wracking making that purchase. So Jesse, for you, from, from your perspective, if I'm somebody that's never broken that threshold, that four figure threshold to this point in time, I've spent 250, I've spent 385, I've spent 512. I'm kind of starting to breach that, that zone. Like, what would you say to somebody that, that really sees a card that, that they like, that they want to believe in, or they do believe in, and they want to spend that 1350, that 1500 on that card? Like, you, you've done it so many times, but the first time you did it, what did you have to tell yourself to kind of get over that hill? Like, especially if you may not have had the assets to work from initially. Um, ironically, the, the first card I spent four, four figures on, um, like all of the cards I was buying before, I was buying a bunch of like Luca Prism-based PSA 10s for back when they were $500. Um, I was buying... You know, a bunch of modern basketball that was in in the three, like just you know, a couple hundred bucks a card, and I saw uh, a, a decently priced LeBron Topps Chrome PSA ten, and I spent a little over seven thousand on it, and that was like, I I lost sleep that night, spending money on that card, but I, I've I've heard I I was listening to a lot of hype on behind that card, and you know, on it like. To be totally honest, that card for years before I started collecting, that card was not less, not more than a thousand dollars. It was just always a thousand dollars. It never really moved. Um, people had tons of them, and all of a sudden, it just it blows up within within the course of a couple months from like two thousand dollars to seven thousand. And I, I when I was tracking this card, 
um, I was, I, I think that when I first started monitoring it, it was 4,500 and every, every week it seemed it would jump up 500 to a thousand dollars and I didn't want to sit on the sidelines anymore. And I knew it, it was a big purchase. Um, I mean, I, I honestly, at that time that that's a huge jump from like $800 to $7,000. Um, fortunately at the time, my, my collection isn't what it, what it is now. Um, I, I had more capital, um, going into the start of my collection, but if, if you're the type of person that wants to, you know, maintain profit and be profitable, if, if you're going into a new stratosphere in price for yourself, you're probably going to have to liquidate some, some cards. So, it, it, I mean, it, it sucks, but um, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I would try to part with the more liquid stuff first. So, you know, part with the like refractors, part with the base, base first before anything, part with the base because the base is, is what new collectors and investors look at first as soon as they enter the hobby. So always look to part with base and then next come the silver and refractors for older cards. Um, but make sure you're not parting with a card that you're going to regret parting with. I, I'm sure I have at least a handful of those types of cards. And if you're looking to, to, to buy into something big that you really want, just do your best to try to try not to part anything that you're, you're so emotionally attached to, or, or you feel like, you know, this card is going to be a, a five figure card one day. Like you're, you're super confident it's going to be a super profitable card. Um, yeah, I mean, but, but to, to be totally honest, like you're, you're going to have to part with some stuff in order to, to reach a, a new stratosphere in collecting. Listen, Jesse, when I asked you the question, I softballed it to you. You were supposed to say, oh, I spent 1100 You... You almost took us to five figures on the first purchase you ever made beyond three <laughs> figures, dude. It, it was all right. So, uh, full transparency, this was the LeBron Tops Chrome was probably like the fifteenth card I've ever bought. I was I was like sweating when I spent that money, and I I the first person I messaged was my girlfriend, and she's like, "You you spent what on a on a." on a, on a sports card. Like maybe I, I told her like two weeks before this or a week before that, you know, Hey babe, I'm, I'm getting into, I'm getting into sports cards. Like, believe it or not, the stuff is actually like pretty profitable. So it'd be pretty cool to, you know, like be able to, you know, pay for a trip to the Caribbean or something with some of these profits. Like I thought I was just going to be in and out, honestly, at first, um, like the first couple of days I was in it and then, you know, some of the memories came back with, with some of the cards that I wanted as a kid and knew I could never afford as, as when I was a kid and collecting into like my teens. And, um, and I, yeah, I spent, I, I spent that amount of money on a LeBron and it went up like immediately. Like I, I got the cheapest deal like that week that it sold. Um, I didn't see, I didn't see another, another deal go below like 7250 and i i felt really fortunate at the time and um yeah my my girlfriend probably thought i was crazy i'm i'm shocked she stayed with me through it um but it was yeah i mean it was wild but it, i just it just felt so it it felt almost riskier to not fork up that money for me at the time honestly 
just because I, I knew I like, no matter how much I liked the card, I did want it to be profitable. And, you know, fortunately enough with this past goat run up and like prices 10 Xing in the course of a, a month or two, um, I was able to offload it. And I, even that I'm kind of regretting, but, um, yeah, I, I, I felt like, I felt like I was losing my mind a little bit for a couple of days after spending, you know, f- four figures on a sports card. It's, it's significant. It's a, a massive, yeah, it's a purchase. Lot of I mean, for anybody there, you know, that's a, yeah. a real gut check moment for most people. So where do you find yourself after that? So you, you, you purchase this card or now you're, you're purchasing other cards. You're looking to liquidate cards. We've talked about some of these platforms in the past. Um, do you ever use forums? Do you go in any of like these Facebook groups or anything like this to try to find people that you trust? And when you do, I mean, different, we've talked about myslabs.com, which is a pretty well vetted application process. I know for a fact, because I just applied and was denied by them. They said that they said that my eBay history wasn't as a seller. Yeah. They they said that it wasn't, it wasn't good enough. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, hello, clear the cash. You guys even know who the fuck I am. <laughs> Anyways, it's like they're not the listeners of the show, clearly. So <laughs> I, I applied for that, didn't get in, but it made me feel good. It made me think, okay, these guys are really trying to uphold a standard that's strong because one of the biggest fears for me, and I'm sure for you, would, especially when you start getting into four or five figure purchases, is that there's a scam, right? Or that you can't trust the person that you're working with. So when you use a platform that's not eBay, which even on eBay, as we talked about with Brad Ziegler, things can go sideways. When you're not using one of these platforms, what other ones are you using? I mean, is IG your go-to if it's not eBay? Um, something also, uh, Nate mentioned this pre-show, and I, I think it's it's very worth mentioning for the show. Um, when you're messaging a seller or a, or a buyer and you're going back and forth on, on a listing on eBay. Um, don't, don't say I have this card listed on this other platform. Um, or I, you know, listen, we can, we can work out a deal on, on social media or whatever, or on discord or, you know, whatever. Um, just, just ask them, ask them what their socials are, ask them if they're on Instagram and just ask them their handle or if they're on Facebook, what their name is. Um, and then just message them from there just because eBay has been cracking down lately and they've been getting a little bit smarter on, um, on their, on their own platform being used as a, basically like a front to make deals offline. So just be careful. Um, I'm I'm sure there have been sellers and buyers that have been punished or their accounts have been, you know, uh, disciplined, however. Um, so just be careful on that. Um, but I've been using Instagram mostly for, especially during like after my last two big purchases, I've been using Instagram quite a bit. Um, I, for, so fortunately for me, I, I kind of, I follow a good amount of card accounts and, and I've, I've gone back and forth between a lot of collectors and, and, and sellers and even card shops. So, um, if, if those users and those individuals, if I see that they follow the individual that I'm messaging, if they're looking to buy one of my cards, 
Um, that makes me feel a little bit more confident that that person might not be, you know, like a, like a piece of shit or like a scammer. Um, so <laughs> that, uh, yeah, so that that honestly, um, that's kind of the the power of Instagram. It's it's it, honestly, it's like, it's almost dumb not to create just a card Instagram account and just start following as many cool card accounts as you can, just to kind of and you know hit them up and just say, hey, like if you really appreciate somebody's collection, just hit them up and say, hey, dude, like I'm I, I'm not trying to message you because like. I, I don't want to buy anything. I just want to hit you up and say, like, dude, you your collection is really nice. Like, I I just want I just want you to know that like you've you've done well for yourself. People really appreciate mes- messages like that, and the more genuine you are, um, the more people will stay in, in contact with you and 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 share stuff with you. And even if they have if they have something available and they know what you like, like they'll they'll message you first before even putting the card up on eBay or something. So, um, Instagram's an awesome platform. Um, it's just a matter of of having, I mean, you can ask for vouches if it's, if you're feeling uneasy or honestly, if you're, if you're feeling uneasy, you could just like tell the person to fuck off and, and just be like, you know, like I'm, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't feel comfortable parting, parting with this card and, and just, you know, move on to the next person or, um, evaluate the next person and, and see how they are as a collector. Um, and, and, honestly a lot of people on instagram they they like the the hobby is very good at self patrolling and and self policing so people people will put out on stories or they'll they'll even make posts of oh this handle scammed me out of you know $5000 or something and this is what happened and you should block them never do a deal with them and um you know, those actually help. Like I, I've, I've gotten messages like that of even people that I haven't, I, that I follow, but I haven't messaged and I haven't talked to them personally, but that's kind of, I mean, I, it seems legitimate enough that I actually block that person myself. So they'll never be able to message me on a card that I have available. Um, so in, Instagram is probably one of the better platforms, uh, discord groups. Honestly, if you guys haven't checked our discord group out, um, you definitely should for the buy, sell trade page alone. Um, so there's discord and there are a couple of Facebook groups that I've, I've come across as well. Um, one that I'm a member of is called, I believe it's called sick cards, uh, buy, sell trade. Uh, that's, that's a pretty good one. And what the, what's nice on there is that, um, Sometimes it's it's tough to be able to part with a card that's five thousand dollars, not because people don't want it, but but it's because people feel so um, uncomfortable in terms of like that card is so nice that I don't even want to ask you how much it is. Like I obviously want it, but it's like I'm dude, I'm looking for something that's like in the five hundred dollar price range. I don't want a ten thousand dollar card right now. Um, but that page honestly has a like their collector base is very various. So they have people that are looking for like, give me the best card a hundred dollars can buy. And then like people will just post from there or, or somebody's going to be like, listen, I got $30,000 burning a hole in my pocket. Give me the best set of slabs. $30,000 can buy me. And then people will just start going off from there. So that's, that's a really cool page um, to buy, sell or trade. You can just like just like on Instagram um, on that page, you can ask for vouchers as well. You can um, message message the buyer or seller you're looking uh, you're you're talking with and just be like, hey, have you done 
and he deals with other people on this platform. Um, or, like, can can I message like what are their names? And I'm going to message them just to make sure that everything went smoothly. So um, that's honestly that's not a bad platform either. But yeah, honestly, right now a lot of my selling has been I, I you know knock on wood I haven't had too many issues on eBay lately, and my slabs is freaking awesome just because especially if you're looking to sell and and if you have a, a pretty uh, somewhat lengthy ebay seller history just because whereas ebay's seller fees are over 13 percent for my slabs you're looking at no more than four percent i mean it can be a little bit more if you want to like if you have a really expensive card and you want to insure it whatever that's gonna be a little bit more but you can't you really can't be four percent like anywhere right now so yeah, there's there's some alternatives to to eBay when it comes to buying and selling. The I'm in that same group, the football cards buy sell trade auctions. Is that the one you're talking about? I think on. I, I there's there's a couple of buy sell trade ones. So I, I I think I've seen I've seen the one you're talking about. I'm not part of it. Yeah. Um. But the the one the one that I'm part of the the sick cards. I think um, uh, Rob Rob Servideo, the guy we interviewed, um. He's in that page. There's there's a bunch of high end collectors that are that are on that page. So it's it's pretty legit. Um, and and they're like Facebook pages and and Discord groups. They take scammers more seriously than eBay does. So um, honestly, it's 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 a lot less unsafe than people think to transact on there. It's funny because I was telling you offline that it's kind of. It's kind of the equivalent of having like the hugest hog in the locker room when somebody like in this case, so I, I purchased a Kyler card. It's a super nice Kyler card. Again, Jesse helped me find this card. It's fantastic. And there's guys out there and I'm, you know, I'm willing to sell it. Um, I've since listed it for five times what I purchased it for. Shout outs to Rob because that's the old price. And so I go on this group and people are like, you know, looking for rare Kyler Murray card. And I'm like, okay, I got, this is, this might be my guy. And so I'm not even really posting the card in the, like directly in that, that thread because it's so it's in excess by such a significant amount of like some of the other cards being posted in there that it feels weird to me. And I don't know if that's weird for you, but so I literally will DM these guys like privately. And I'm like, Hey man, here's the card. And it's funny because I did this pre-show and I sent it to one and the guy's response to me was, LOL. I wish I've been watching this on eBay. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's so it cracks me That's up awesome. because yeah, I listed that card on eBay, but it makes me nervous, um, going on one of these platforms. So like you said, they, they need to, produce some sort of like credential. Like they need to verify that this is their eBay account or somebody in discord that you trust says, yes, I know this person or on IG. It's like a bigger account. The problem is with buying from bigger accounts, even though they've got such great stuff, you're unlikely to really get like a good deal. They're very rigid, right? They're not going to, it's like playing with a savvy dynasty player. You're not going to get, you know, Michael Thomas for cheap because he's 28 years old. They know who Michael Thomas is. And sometimes with maybe some of these other smaller private sellers, you might be able to work a deal. And that seems like the confines that I would like to work in. But boy, when we start talking about four and five figures, Jesse, that makes me nervous. Honestly, I, all right. So 
usually on an ep- on each episode, I try to have a play for you guys. Like the last couple of episodes, I've been trying to to throw out like buy or sell recommendations, and I don't have any any ready for this one, but um, low key play. And Nate, this might this might come in handy for you. So if you really feel uncomfortable parting with a five like a five figure card with somebody you who you don't know online or whatever on Instagram, Facebook, um, it would have been a better play uh, before this past week. But PWCC actually had they had like a free submission program that was running through March 31st. So you could you could submit any cards you want to their vault as long as they're graded and you wouldn't have to pay any submission fees to them. So that I mean you're you're still like your card is honestly a great it's a great example of a card you might want to submit to PWCC. What's nice about PWCC, we haven't we haven't I haven't mentioned this at all to you. What's what's nicer about PWCC as opposed to to Probstein is that obviously? I mean, both both uh, sell both consigners, both sellers. They'll sell the card for you. So as soon as they have it in their possession, it's like it's completely like out of your hands. You might as well like forget about it. Um, I think you you just have you just have to let them know when you want to sell. Um, but they do everything for you, which is really nice. And um, what's nice about PWCC is that if God forbid, if there is a buyer that wins the auction and refuses to pay they'll block that buyer for life and you we know that pwcc is arguably a top two at probably at least a top two consigner on ebay like their their feedback they received what over three hundred thousand feedback in the last six months or to a year or something like just they i mean they have sales going on every day obviously and um this past week, I, I like I mentioned to you that they had they had an insane amount of awesome looking LeBron LeBron cards, a, a bunch of LeBron golds. I was looking at, so they auction off some really nice cards, and they take um, they take like buyers, true like honest and true like true paying buyers. They take them very seriously, and they have a lot of expectations for the buyer. So if a buyer refuses to pay, um, you like you don't get dinged for it. They you don't have to worry about you know the card getting relisted and like well shit okay you're out of luck. Uh, I mean the buyer didn't want to pay so we just have to relist it. That's honestly what what Probstein is has been doing. But PWCC uh, bans the buyer from any and all PWCC future auctions. And I don't think the rate for them to sell the card. Uh, I don't I don't think like their commission is that substantial so it might actually be financially worthwhile for you to send it over to them and you i mean we see pwcc auctions compared to the average joe schmo auction who probably misspelled the word prism like they'll these guys get usually get top dollar on their auctions and um i i mean i don't know if it's a lot of people that are shilling if it's like a silver prism or something but i don't think that many people shill on on you know, I don't think that many people will show on a black Pandora, Kyler. So um, honestly, like if if you feel uncomfortable parting with a high dollar card with somebody that you don't know, uh, submitting to PWCC and selling through them at some point might might be a decent play. 
Yeah, that might be the option. I mean, I'm curious to see what happens come, you know, we've been talking about this all offseason. Like, we know that Kyler's first peak is going to come, you know, July, August. Like, some when we get into that zone, those cards are going to have crazy um, levels of interest. People are probably going to be attempting to make purchases at that point. Who knows? You know, maybe you start talking about how Arizona has a chance to, you know, be a contender this year. As soon as that starts from there, kind of the sky's the limit. And that's why we've been saying all along, like, get your hands wherever you can on Kyler. I wish I would have bought more because, like, I've been so ridiculously successful um, with purchasing him from the lowest Kyler cards to some of the higher Kyler cards. It's like I haven't had less than, you know, 2X. And that's 2X on 700. That's 3X on 300. That's... You know, it doesn't matter. Like, it's been so wildly successful, and I'm hoping this time I'll be 5X on whatever that other card was. But, Jesse, we've, we got some news here recently, uh, you know, looking at the grading companies. And there's some funny stuff going on because the, the, whole, the whole game is changing right now. So PSA recently had jacked their rates up, right? And then they had now suspended submissions through July, for people that wanted to submit for grading outside of, I think like, ex- like the highest version of express, I think is the only one that's still open. So what does that mean? Like what, what, what do you glean from that? And what does that mean for the grading industry as a whole? Is there a chance that somebody else could emerge as King? I think, um, it it was something like I've mentioned this before PSA raising their doubling their prices or multiplying their prices was a necessary evil for them just because of how insanely enormous that backlog is. And I guess they, they must've been, they must've still been getting a good amount of like, like more cards than we can imagine. I, I heard, I don't know how true this is, but I heard, over the past couple of months, they've been getting 500,000 cards in submissions per week from around the world. So they've been getting 500,000 cards submitted to them per week. That's absurd because I remember when I got when I got into the hobby um, like a, a little over a year ago, uh, people back then were complaining about you know, like potentially PSA having like a 500,000 to a million card backlog. Can you imagine what the backlog is right now? I mean, it's, it's crazy. So they must've still, even after they increased their prices, they must've still been getting quite a few submissions. And I, I don't blame PSA. I, I think there's, it's a multifaceted reason why, why they're, why they made that decision. It's probably to clear out the backlog. Um, they're the graders are, I can't imagine how exhausted the graders are. People are probably coming in on weekends. Um, and just in their grading every day. And I think a lot of what's being graded right now might not worth, might not be worth grading. So I think they're trying to dissuade, uh, not, not quite a, not quite a junk wax era, but a junk slab era. And I don't know how much, uh, I don't even know. Like, I, I don't know how much, uh, I don't know, like insert, insert young 
very super speculative. Like, I don't know how much a Kevin Porter Jr. base hoops PSA 10 is really going to be worth like 15 years from now or 20 years from now. So um, I, I think it, it people will try to get a little smarter with what is and isn't worth grading. So I think a whole market correction is coming from there. And what's crazy is uh, I mentioned this to you a little bit ago as well, is that PSA isn't the only company that's that's dealing with backlogs. It seems like seems like every company outside of maybe um, uh, outside of HGA, pretty much outside of only HGA, like they're dealing with backlogs themselves. So um, SGC just announced either today or yesterday that they actually uh, it's not an April Fool's joke. We're recording this on April Fool's um, that they tripled their grading submission prices which is like that is such that it's that's almost funny like i'm not an sgc hater i do have some sgc slabs in my collection but their president whenever whenever they have like close to like little to no backlog that's when he talks shit on psa and bgs (laughs) about their backlogs and how they're not doing anything to improve them Whereas PSA is actually stepping up and actually trying to clear their backlog and, and get and pump cards out. SGC, not not two weeks after they were talking shit on PSA and BGS, they announced that in order to stay true to their promise and and getting cards out to you in, in a timely manner, they triple their prices themselves, which I, I think is just hilarious. Um and also today, I saw Starstock. Um, they mentioned how on so when when you were able to submit raw cards to Starstock just just for them to grade them as like A Bs or Cs, you didn't have to pay you didn't have to pay anything besides maybe the insurance to ship them and the shipping costs themselves. You could just submit them onto Starstock for for uh, for free, no questions asked. They look at the card. Um, if it's in too poor of a condition, they'll ship it back to you. You might have to pay a fee for that, but that's that's understandable. It's it's a way for people to to get rid of their raw cards that they might not feel comfortable grading or might not think that that they're worth grading, even if it, even if they're in good shape. So, Starstock is now charging twenty five cents per each raw card shipped to them, which is I mean that's it doesn't sound like much, but that's that's a big deal when you're talking about cards that are less than a dollar. And raw, and um, it's gonna, it's probably gonna detract some of the cards that are even listed on there now for like 15 cents, 20 cents. It's gonna detract a lot of those cards that are being submitted to there. People are still gonna submit, you know, somewhat higher end raw. So, um, you know, modern day prism base or silver raw cards, people are still gonna be submitting those, um, you know, cards that are gonna be like tens of dollars to hundreds of dollars. But I, it sounds like they have a pretty decent raw raw card back backlog that's that they're not even grading. So it seems like everybody's kind of dealing with some sort of a backlog themselves. I love BGS. I, I will probably always collect BGS slabs, but I, I don't think they've they've released any statement on what they could do to improve their backlogs. So I honestly don't even know how much you can trust them right now. Um, they're just kind of sitting on the backlog, honestly. So it it's tough. I, I think I think we're gonna see 
we're going to see a bit of a correction in the in the market in terms of what's getting graded and where 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 people are grading. HGA, I think, is they're they're kind of they're I think they're still a dark horse, and more and more their slabs are going to be popping up. Um, I've mentioned on a previous show that they only accept like twelve hundred card like cards for like submissions per week, basically. Um, just so that they don't develop, you know, a million plus card backlog. But I think HGA will be more respected. And um, honestly, raw card transacting is probably going to reach a new high just because there's going to be a lot of cards that aren't worth grading. And people are just going to be more than satisfied, you know, even flipping raw cards for profit. I think that's going to be... That's we're gonna see that probably more this year than than we've seen in decades since since grading wasn't even that big of a thing in like the nineties. Yeah, BGS they're they're still trucking. I mean, they have yet to like you said declare that they have too significant of a backlog. HGA is truly the dark horse amongst all of these because what really makes a PSA you'll grade better than a BGS or better than an SGC. I mean, in reality, it, it's human grading. And who's to say at this point with them being so under the gun or them having been so under the gun that there's not some statement being made, you know, I would love to talk to somebody from there, like across the company, like, hey, look, you have to do a card every 30 minutes, right? Or whatever it is. Like, we have to stay on this track to achieve these cards and who knows if the quality of the grade is as good as it's been giving the, you know, the credit for, for all this time where HGA is going to go the route of, you know, the autonomous, you know, computer analyzation of these cards. And to be honest with you, when I was thinking about like the hoops card, there are some like cool looking hoops cards that I was thinking, you know, it might look pretty dope in an HGA slab. Like some of those might stand out a little more. We're like a classic card, you know, LeBron, whatever, like a, a Jordan. I'm not sure I want to see that in an HGA, but like a more ultra modern era type card. Some of those on the lower end, again, like the hoops end, the, the Don Russ end, like those might be cool in those kind of slabs. I just think that for me and maybe for you the same, like for this period of time, I would prefer to see my, my roar, my war, more rare, more expensive cards, like continue to be in those PSA BGS slabs for now. And even with SGC, I don't own any SGC because for me, I just see the the difference in value, like selling, buying, like it's the highest end of like a hard case for a card, right? Like to me, I'm just like, I don't love it, but it's the same way the GMA is to me. Like GMA is just a great way to keep a card protected. And, you know, like, and SGC obviously has far more respect. They're out here posting tweets that say backlogs are stupid. <laughs> it looks like an adult swim ad, you know, and they've got their little logo at the bottom. So they're just taking pot shots on everybody. Um, but I, I don't know if you feel the same way about like maybe how HGA could, could find themselves taking over a, a bigger part of this market in the future and what you prefer in terms of, I mean, cards that are graded where you're purchasing them i know you said you bought sgc but i mean you also know that sgc cards don't sell the same way oh absolutely i know um an sgc 10 i think at its at its peak probably sold for 70 percent of the price of a psa 10 so i i understand that the the cost the cost difference is significant between the two 
Um, again, if you don't, if you don't mind the slab or if you like the slab, like you can honestly, just like a BGS nine five, you could just look at it as a cost arbitrage and just go that way instead of a PSA. Um, again, like it teach their own though, like people, people like their, their grading companies and their slabs. And I, I know some people honestly don't care and collect all three. Um, but it's, I, I mean, I think I think we're going to see a lot more um, HGA cards in the future uh, with uh, their submissions. Again, they're competitive, but they're they're going to be more and more popular. And honestly, like I mean, I, I say they're underrated, but um, and I, I still believe they are. But I've been seeing I've seen some HGA nine point fives that have gone more than uh, BGS nine point fives, which. Maybe that's maybe that's a play for BGS nine fives. I don't know, but um, I mean they're they're becoming a, you know more respected in the especially in the ultra modern market. Um, I think they have been recently grading more rare cards. I'm pretty sure I think they got like an eighty six Fleer Jordan even. So it's not like they only grade ultra modern. Um, but I I mean that. If you, if guys, if any of you have an 86 Fleur Jordan, I would not submit to HGA just because I know the true collectors and investors in that card, they're not going to want that card in HGA slab. They're, they want it in either PSA or BGS slab. So, um, but for, for the ultra modern stuff, we honestly, if HGA doesn't get bought out within the next couple of years um, and their technology holds up, it might be kind of like, kind of like how Mosaic is in, um, like it's, it's kind of like the little brother to the big three with, with, uh, prism optic and select. So it, I mean, mosaic is a pretty legitimate set. And I, I think there's a chance that HGA can be a pretty legitimate grading company for, for a good amount of time. It's just crazy. Uh, looking at all these companies posturing, trying to figure out, you know, are we going to raise rates? Are we going to reduce our backlog? Are we not going to admit that we have a, a significant backlog like BGS? I mean, unless BGS, I, I've never seen them releasing, you know, tweets saying, hey, looking for applications. Like PSA has continuously been dropping stuff like looking for qualified graders. Are you interested? I don't know what how BGS is doing it. Like I have no idea. Either their backlog isn't as isn't close to PSA, which might be true. I mean, PSA might honestly blow them out of the water by fifteen percent. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think I think all your points are right with HGA. Um, I'm interested to see what they do in the future. So it may maybe you know getting ahead of the curve, like getting some of your cards graded by them, because if that sort of that they really do have the the physical aesthetic cool factor to them right everybody's stuck to this simplicity everybody you know sgc is black it's very simple gma is terrible psa uh, <laughs> it's got that classic look we've seen it you know pretty much through its history um and bgs uh -huh. has a very solid slab but hga man they are sneaking up with some very unique looks honestly it i i believe this is the this is definitely the first lab that adds to the art of the card and that it, it might go a longer way than we think. Right. Honestly. No, I, th I think you're right. Um, it, and it may appeal to the, the younger buying audience, right? Like we're, we're not the older buying audience. We are probably the, we're probably the median now, you know, I'm, I'm a little older than you are. I would say guys like me in their mid late thirties, we're probably right in like the center 
of this sort of buying experience. We've got younger purchasers as well, but they truly do appeal to me. I think they're cool. I, I just, I don't want them to go ultra corny. Like they're going with free clip art stuff. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's great. It would be cool if, you know, like, um, the NFL does it annually for uh, like the Super Bowl or the NBA does it for the NBA finals. They go get some like design company to, to create a vibe. And the NBA has always got this sort of street feel, you know, cool graphics, almost graffiti type lettering, things like that. Or, you know, they have some classic looks, but like go get like somebody that makes everything, you know, custom or whatever. It doesn't even have to be custom, but something that you can do. Like we looked at that Tua card and they pulled like a clip art free image and like stuck it on there. And that might work in the beginning, but eventually that's just corny to me personally. And I think that that's where they need to short up. They need to say, okay, look, we do these all we've made these all, or we had a clip art like company come in and come up with every variation of everything that we can think of. And and these are Mm -hmm. us and we've designed them. And that might be cooler to me than the HGA defending itself the other day when somebody said that there was some copyright infringement, right? We maybe we talked about this on last episode, this Tua HGA card had the, you know, the Hawaiian or the Islander surfer, or whatever, holding a surfboard, I think. I can't even remember. But people were like, you know, that's that's not your image. You didn't make that. And they responded with a link that showed that it was a copyright-free image. And it's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Yikes. Like, go make your own shit, right? Am I crazy? Yeah, they. I mean, they're probably making a pretty decent profit with the amount of submissions that they've that they've had in the last... I don't know, since they opened in January or December. So they could afford it. I mean, easily, especially now with, with PSA's backlog, they can they could probably afford to to get a pretty good third party to, you know, make some pretty nice designs for them. I, I mean, I don't even think it would be crazy. Yeah, you know, we're we're gonna see iterations, right? This is this is very new. I mean, their whole process is new. They didn't just go look. We're going to use robots and computers and we're going to do something that's never been done because it's 2021 and I thought cars were going to be flying, but they're not. So we're going to do the next best thing, which is use autonomy and, and robots and, and take a, a a binary, you know, look at these cards and I'm, I'm blown away, but then they doubled up and they're like, not only are we going to use robots, but we're also going to do the most outlandish graphic work and visuals you've ever seen. So it's going to be a, a melding of both. And I think they look cool, but I just really hope they reel it in a little bit and avoid being ultra corny because nothing would be worse than, yeah, if I send my black Pandora Kyler to them and they put fucking five goes West up in the top of it or something and send it back to me with the Arizona desert. And I'm like, what the hell is this shit? Like, are you going to do that to every Kyler Murray card that you get? Or did you just have the creator that day was just feeling juicy and he's like, Oh, just do this man and send it back. (laughs) And I'm like, unslab that shit. Send me my card back. This is atrocious. Not okay. We got to get off this. This It's not as atrocious as one of the most questionable hundred thousand dollar purchases, Jesse, that we've ever seen. So weekly we find a card that is in our opinion, and we're, we're, we're not experts on this particular subject at all, but oftentimes, whether it's Jacob Eason, whether it's an egg an egg, it's, it, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. it's, it's, yeah, egg. Okay. Um, it, it's always, it's always something that to us, we're like, I don't get it. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't see how this happened. 
And Jesse, you, once again, just like the egg, you came across one, and then we found another one of this card that was 10 times more expensive. And that is 10 times more expensive than a five-figure purchase. Jesse, please explain the card that you found, and maybe one of our listeners can hit us up on Twitter and explain to us just exactly what the hell's going on here. Nate, you um, you honestly keep one-upping me on these bad buys of the week. Um, cause I always, I'm like, Oh my God, this guy spent how much on this? And you're like, wait, he spent 20 times on this version of the card. So the, the card that I found was, um, I'm sure there, there's at least a couple of, uh, of people in our audience who are Fortnite fans or Fortnite gamers or players. And, um, it's a Fortnite card and, and I'm not shitting on Fortnite. Um, but it's it's just it's quite a bit of money to spend on on a on a piece of on a on a piece of memorabilia from Fortnite. So it was the I found the 2019 Panini Fortnite Black Knight Crystal Shard Cracked Ice Raw Raw card. This card is raw. Um, apparently, it's insanely hard to find, and I, I think there's like an Italian version, there's an American version that's even more rare. Than the Italian version, this is the Italian version, and it's sold for twelve thousand dollars with shipping. Why? 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 Raw. Raw. Um, I I couldn't. I mean, it's hard to defend that. Like Nate, being totally honest, I was watching. I just missed out on a on a gold LeBron um, a couple minutes ago, and. That that gold LeBron went for half of that price, and the and it was a BGS nine point five. <laughs> this is this is where we're at right now. Listen, I don't know. I've played one time like two years ago. I don't game a lot. I've got a Nintendo Switch, and I am a god on Mario Kart. And if anybody wants to die in real time, nice. Please hit me up on Twitter. With that being said, I played Fortnite one time, like two years ago. Couldn't figure it out. Didn't realize had to be a fucking carpenter to be successful at the game because you're building towers <laughs> and you're running around with guns and a hammer and nails and you're building shit and the eye of the storm closes in on you. And it's a fine game. It's a it's a it's a fine game. Okay, I don't want to I don't want to like I don't want to destroy this game. But what I don't understand is, number one, I didn't know that there was actual characters in these games. Like, I just thought it was like, hey, yeah, guy with a mohawk and like a beach body. And then like a, a girl with like her, you know, half her side of her head is shaved and like scrunchy in her hair. And they just run around, you know, and then shoot shit. But apparently the 2019 Panini, well, of course, Panini's got their hands in everything. Fortnite card, the Black Knight Hollow Foil, PSA 10. With a best offer accepted of $99,000. What's the upside? Um, Where's the comp to this card? I I don't know what to say. I like if I if I saw like a black hollow foil of LeBron or of someone else I collected that that honestly sounds so sick. But that would go for a tenth of the price of this card. I, I mean, Nine, $99,999. Okay, first off, don't be a dick. Just make it 100000 okay? You're not... <laughs> uh, oh, there was a guy, he's like, oof, 
He's like, I can't, I don't have a hundred thousand. Oh, 99,999 deal. Like, well, come <laughs> on. I, I get the sales approach. Like the, you, you round down one fucking dollar and it's more enticing. I get it. I didn't do that with my Kyler, but this is an expensive card. And it wasn't the only one. There were two. There were literally two that were best offer accepted for a hundred thousand dollars. Now here's my thing. I get why Pokemon cards are so expensive. I get it. They've been around since I was a child. Listen, man, I used to sit on the toilet when I was like eight and I had a Game Boy in my hand and they had all the different colored Pokemon games, yellow, red, blue, and I would just play it. Okay, I was Ash. I was the Pokemon master, right? And I was the trainer. And I would play the shit out of that game. And I get it. It's been around forever. The cards are old. Fortnite's been around for like three years, five years. I don't know when it came out. How how did it get here, right? Like, how did we get to this point? And if this is not, like, the most perfect representation of where the hobby is, I really don't, I don't, I don't have a better example for you than this and an egg. Like, these two things are very questionable buys. Jesse, what, okay, what do you think that this valuation of 100 grand is based on? Because it's not one, it's two that sold for this price. There, I mean, I, I would like to think the buyer was responsible and try to find comps and, and based, you know, if, if there was a past sales history on eBay or wherever else on this card, um, I hope they compared it to another more common version of the card and maybe try to set a multiplier between the two cards. If they kind of sold, you know, around the same time. Maybe if that more basic version of the card sold for 3x, so this naturally is going to go up 3x as well. I don't know. I I hope they were, I hope they were responsible in, which is hard to say about a ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollar uh, Fortnite card. But um, I I hope they at least try to comp it, um, somewhat accurately. But on on th- on the flip side, um. That's honestly a, a little scary if if they did comp it properly and Fortnite cards are reaching six figures. Um, it, what you made the point you made about Pokemon is that's honestly probably the best point you can make about Fortnite right now. Like Pokemon is Pokemon's been um, it's it's incredibly nostalgic for probably like you, me, and a, and a majority of our listeners. I haven't gotten into Pokemon card collecting and buying and selling and trading, just because I mean it's just I I mean I I loved it. I was obsessed with that game for four or five years, but um, I, I I'm just not at that point right now where it's something that I I want to collect and invest in. Um, but at least they have a collector base. They have like people who have basically never stopped collecting since they were kids. They just kind of like they it's their, you know, their dirty little secret. They've been, they've been buying and selling Pokemon cards on the side for 30, for like 20 years. Uh, and like Pokemon, I think just turned 25 either this year or last year. So it was, it was a big year for Pokemon. Um, but at least they have like Pokemon, like took over the world and like, for like for kids when we were younger and they were kids were incredibly um, like people are incredibly nostalgic now just because of how connected they were to the game and the cards back then. So you'll you'll see a pretty a pretty good collector base. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see like 
Pokemon card conventions in the future, just like Pokemon, like regional or national Pokemon only card conventions. I don't know if Fortnite's going to be there in 20 years. I don't know how many. I mean, honest to God, I don't I've never played. So like I'm, I'm not I'm not shitting on Fortnite. I I genuinely I don't know how many six, seven, eight year olds are playing Fortnite or have played Fortnite. So I don't know if the same nostalgia is going to be there. Like the the younger you were when you collected or, or, or dabbled into something that's like that, that taps into your nostalgia that much more than if you're like an 18 year old playing Fortnite on a daily basis. When I was a kid, Jesse, we had a ball and a cup. Okay. You had the ball <laughs> and you had the cup and the goal was to get the ball in the cup. Okay. That's the kind of <laughs> games we play. I don't know what the end game is for Fortnite. Uh, again, I'm just blown away that you have cards out there that are selling for that amount of money. Um, it's not money well spent, in my opinion. I don't know that 20 years from now when I'm laying on my back in a hyperbaric chamber with a pair of VR goggles on and I'm skiing the Swiss Alps uh, that I'm going to be thinking about Fortnite. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's it's here to last. But it seems like there's also a lot of games. You know, uh, Call of Duty's very, doing a very similar uh, thing with their platform online. So call it what you want to call it. I'm even more mad than I was before because I just started searching, and then I found a PS4 version of Fortnite factory sealed with a WADA 9.8 grade, and it sold for thirteen thousand dollars for the game. Graded games are... Be- I, I have not dabbled into graded games, but graded games are becoming a thing. How is yeah. that different, though? It's factory sealed. Like, what makes it... What makes it a better... Gr- I don't even want to go down this road. Yeah. We're, we're not touching this yet. Yeah. No, I'm not ready to touch this. So, yeah. listen, didn't mean to bash Fortnite. It's a great game. Sometimes you want to take your mind off the stresses of the world, but I feel like you're only going to increase the stresses of the world if you put yourself into a $100,000 deficit by buying a card of a game that I don't know, frankly, if it's going to be here in five years, but nonetheless, everybody gets to spend their money however they want to spend it, Jesse. I don't want to talk about Fortnite anymore. I want a simple yes or no answer from you, though, on buying cards related to games like Fortnite. If you had $100,000 burning a hole in your pocket, would you spend it on a PSA 10 rare Fortnite card? Fuck no. And we'll see you next week on Clear the Cash. I've been but I've been.